Welcome to Our Last Mill, the podcast on grief, loss, and food. I'm your host, Andrew. In every episode, I talk with a guest about someone important in their life, someone they've lost, and what role food played in their relationship. This week, I had the honor of talking with the host of the Pillow Talking podcast, Violetta. Violetta lives in Australia, so the time zone difference was a little funky trying to work that out, but I'm really glad I had a chance to talk with her. We talked everything from her home country of Argentina to food that she ate in Australia, from being a parent to being a child, and it was just a really fun conversation. Um, And fun may seem like an odd way to describe a conversation about loss, but she was such a kind, thoughtful person and so engaging, and I just really enjoyed it. And I hope you will too. Before I start the interview, I do always like to plug up top. If you enjoy this show, please consider subscribing, sharing it with other people, rating and reviewing on whatever platform you use. Um, This is a fully DIY operation. I am the only one who works on it. Um, I don't do any advertising. This is really, truly a labor of love. So any kind of feedback you have would really mean a lot to me. So if you like it, please consider doing those things. Uh, Regardless, I will stop blathering now, and I'll go ahead and start the episode. I do always like to give a content warning here that there is talk of uh, death, loss, grief, so please be mindful as you listen. With that said, let's jump over to the interview. Hello and welcome to our last meal. I'm your host, Andrew, and my guest this week is Violetta professional writer who facilitates storytelling on the Pillow Talking Podcast, a podcast featuring stories of real-life bedroom conversations. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is fantastic. Yeah. When I, I say today, technically you're joining me tomorrow. The the time the time zone difference was a little was a little weird. <laughs> it is, and it's extra weird because we are currently in summer daylight saving time. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a bit tricky. So, but you did it. You calculated it perfectly. Well done. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I was so, you know, so you are on the East Coast of Australia, correct? That's right. I'm in Melbourne. Okay. I, I was so worried that I was going to have you sitting here waiting for an hour for me um, <laughs> or that I was going to get on an hour early. I, I was like, I really hope I've got my math right. You did really well. I, I have friends, like I said to you, I've got a friend in New York and just getting it just right. It's, <laughs> and I'm not great at math, so it's a, <laughs> it's always a thing. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm not proud of how hard I had to think about it. When we said it was about a 16-hour difference, I'm not proud of the amount of effort it took for me to figure that out. But we got there. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you could have just fluffed that because uh, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's great to have you. Um, you know, what's really cool for me, though, uh, you know, you – you know, talking to you, you're in Australia. One, I just think the fact that, you know, I'm sitting here in North Carolina on the East coast of the United States, you're in Melbourne and in, uh, in Australia, we can have a conversation and I record know. it so we can put it out for the whole world. That is so cool to me. Isn't it? Isn't it? it and, uh, go ahead. Uh, it's, it's just wild. You know, there, there are so many things you hear about how bad technology can be and, and, and all of this and how it can drive us apart. But I love things like this where it can really, you know, bring people together and how it can, you know, aid in just human connection. And I, I really do like that. And that's me nerding out for a moment. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I'm of an age now where I've been with technology now for a long time and I've seen it evolve. And I remember how exciting it was when, when the internet became a thing. Um, I'm actually a migrant. And when we, when we migrated, you know, it was a huge thing to get a cassette tape from yeah. family overseas. And we'd all sit around this tape recorder um, to listen to messages that people had sent us, you know, and uh, and we did the same. We sent cassettes back and um, and it was a massive deal. And and I won't lie, you know, the, you know, the, the ructions it causes just because communication was so difficult. Um, yeah. It's, it's not a, it's not a small thing. It's a big thing. And nowadays it's like, we've got, I'm in contact with my family overseas who are all around the world all the time. This kind of thing, there's WhatsApp, there's this, there's that. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it is really cool that, you know, no matter how far, how close, I mean, you can stay in contact with anyone as long as there's at this point, there's no barrier other than just willingness. So, I mean, just yeah. being able to, to, to reach out to somebody is amazing. You know, the friends I have overseas, uh, I, you know, I have a friend in the, uh, lives in Hong Kong. I mean, and we can still, you know, stay in contact from time to time, just depending on, you know, it, they're working at the time zones. It's, you know, it's, it's nighttime there when it's daytime here and vice versa. So that can make it a little tricky, but it is really cool that, you know, you can have this communication with other people. Yeah, uh, definitely. I've also, I've also got to say too, this is extra cool for me just because, you know, I told my wife earlier, this is officially the fourth continent that I've covered uh, just from conversations (laughs) with folks. Yeah. So so I'm. I, I don't know that I'm going to find someone in, in Antarctica, but uh, you know, it's it's a goal. We'll see if we can get somebody. Oh, somewhere. put the word out there. Um, <laughs> you know, they say that with technology now. You know, the whole um, six degrees of separation thing. Yeah. Uh, they say that it's now two degrees because of how connected we are. So chances are that you know now someone who knows someone um, who's, in who's in Antarctica. I need to put that out there then. <laughs> so you know, for any listener, for anyone, if you're listening, if you are in Antarctica, if you know someone, please uh, you know reach out to me. I, I would love to talk to them, just to say I did. So I, I will say I am. I'm so glad you you're able to come on. Um, you know this 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 episode we we were talking before the we started recording just about the just the the material right. Just that you know grief uh, is it can be a sensitive thing to talk about. Um, you know, but you also said that the time that you've got, uh, you've had to kind of go through that grieving process, it sounds like has helped. Um, so, so we'll jump in and can you tell us who we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about my, uh, my mum. Um, so my mother who passed away in 99. So, um, I used to call her ma or mama. But usually when I speak about her to other people, I say it was my mum. And, yeah, she – it's been a while. It's been a while now. Yeah, so 23, 24 years. Yeah, Um, look, I haven't even – yeah, I I guess. I I, I don't even keep count anymore because in in so so many ways, even though um, she's absent, she's always present. So – yeah, it's a it's a strange thing that that I don't count. She's her influence is just so profound that um, yeah, she might as well just have gone yesterday. 
minus that intense, oh, intense pain. Yeah. Well, you know, it. I really like the way you said that, that it's like she's still there. I mean, and, and that is beautiful, though, that even with decades, you know, from it happening to now, I mean, to still feel that closeness, do mm. you think that that's something that's helped you over the years is feeling like she's still there, feeling that closeness? Definitely, definitely. And I have to say that I had to open my eyes to it because for a long time all I felt was her absence. And, yeah, um, yeah that's all I could feel, the absence of her in my life. It was the same for my sister, for my brother as well. We had this... There's three of us and, and my mum also had, we, we, we have half brothers. Um, I can't speak for them, but I can speak for us. So it was all about the absence. Um, and, and that had to pass and I had to open my eyes to kind of feel her um, and, and see her influence everywhere and see her in, in my sister, see her in my daughter and, um, and once that happened, um, things got a lot easier. Um, but that takes, that takes a while. I, I remember, um, my mum had, um, one of her sons pass away. He actually used to live in, mm. in North Carolina. So, um, really? yeah, yeah. In, in Pathtown, my, um, brother Roberto, uh, he passed away when he was quite young and, um, and she said to me one time, um, it's, it gets a lot better when you learn to speak to the person who's gone. And I don't know that I ever got to the point where I speak to my mum, but I, she's just there and I, yeah, it's, it's like she's just like a, she might as well be as close as a phone call away, you know what I mean? So I yeah. can reach out to her with my heart, with my mind, without necessarily speaking out loud. I don't know whether I made any sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense to me. I, I'll say I've never heard that before, you know, that it gets easier when you can speak to the person who's not there. But it, it, it does make sense to me because, you know, I, I think about people that I've lost. I mean, and I, I can still hear their voices sometimes, you know. Mm. And and I don't think that I'm crazy, but I, I do think that those are those there are people that, you know, they made an impact, you know, um and, and being able to just hear from, you know, still hear their voice in your head. I, I don't know if you ever catch yourself in a scenario where you're thinking of doing something, doing something, or something has happened and you hear her do you ever hear her voice in the back of your head telling yeah. you, you know, do this, don't do this, you shouldn't have done yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. And and my husband and I laugh about this all the time. <laughs> We laugh about it all the time, saying, yes, uh, you know, if if it's something that she disapprove of, it's like, yeah, she's on my shoulder right now. <laughs> uh, she's uh, she's not approving, but <laughs> I'm going to go you for gotta, it. You, anyway. feel, <laughs> you feel that need to apologize. I know you're not going to like this. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> Got to do it. Um, and sometimes I think, oh, well, she'd, she'd get a, a huge kick out of this. Yeah. That's, I think that could be the most frustrating one. Whenever it's something that you know that they would enjoy, you know, yeah. and and, but I, I think it could almost help you to enjoy something more, because yeah. it's you know it, when when you're, I've never been pregnant, so I don't know from personal experience, 
But I've heard, you know, when you're pregnant, you're eating for two. And I think that makes perfect sense. You know, you've got another living thing that you're growing. But it feels like with this, with that person that's still with you, you're almost experiencing something for two. You know, if it's something that you think that they would have enjoyed. Yeah, what what a great way to look at it. It's a beautiful way of looking at it. Um, Because at the end of the day, you know, if the people that we're grieving, you know, if they loved us and we love them, um, that's what they'd want. You know, they they yeah. want us to to live this moment. They want us to enjoy it, and uh, and for them as well. I I really love that. What a great way to look at it. Well, and you know, and, and through doing this, I, I've um I've spoken with a lot of really interesting people, and you know, a few episodes back, I spoke with the Mashup Americans, um, and I'll I'll gladly call them out anytime just because I I love what they're doing. They did a series on grief called Grief Collected. And, mm. You know, one of the most interesting things that I got from that, from talking with them and from listening to the show was just kind of a redefinition of grief. You know, it's not necessarily that you are longing for this lost thing. It's that, you know, grief really is an act of love. Yeah. And it, it sounds so simple to say it out loud, but it, it's true. You know, you can't grieve some, you can't grieve someone if you didn't truly, if there wasn't that love there, if there wasn't that strong bond. So really Absolutely. when you think about it, it's, it's just, it's another expression of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm certain that there's that there's some kind of a, a scale, um, and, um, yeah, and, and and the love can go. Um, look, the love can be quite far-reaching. So, um, one of the things that I've experienced in my life, and I, I don't want to take uh, too much of a detour in this, but. I I had a I had a stillborn child um oh, uh, 30 years ago so we've just gone past the anniversary so it's funny that sorry. when I was going through it thank you uh, look she was the making of me I have to say you know you know when life gives yeah. you something and you go oh that made me that's what yeah. she was for me and at the time we were being approached by women who had gone through it decades before and you know at a time when babies used to get whipped away from their mums because they used to say you know it's better if you don't bond and and the love that's there it's not just the love for the child you're carrying but it's also you go you know there's this um Chinese saying that when a child born it's already nine months old you go, yeah. um, when you first conceptualized the idea of having children and you go, how old was I when I thought that I could have children and I would have children? And I believe that the love begins there. You know, the, yeah. the idea of this child that's going to come into your life. So it's not something that's just um, recent. It's something that you begin to think about when when you first opposed with the possibility so I think that idea of love is is absolutely correct and I think that it goes back to um you know even yeah to to even these really early primordial um feelings that we have that's that's so profound I mean and I, I've never I've never thought of that that way but you're you're right though it's because because you're right the love for your child I, i've got one child and that that kind of love can almost cripple you at the yeah. beginning right 
whenever she was first born, just that thought of like, I, it is hard for me to wrap my mind around how much I can love another person. Yes. I thought I understood that when I, when I met my wife and, and we, you know, got married and I'm like, okay, I, I understand the concept of love. And then we find out she's pregnant and I'm excited. And then I see her for the first time. It, it will make you buckle over. Yeah. But you're yeah. right. It doesn't just start in that moment. I mean, it's, it really does go back even further than that. And it's, it's a weird, it's a weird time thing because it starts before them, but you're also, you know, you're looking at, cause I don't think there's any parent out there who's not thinking about everything that their child could do in the future, every possibility, mm. you know, you're not just looking at the now or the past, you're looking at the present and the, or the future. And, and there's just, there's so much there. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely beautiful. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that though. I, I, it's it's a cruelty i wouldn't wish on anyone and yeah well um thank you like like i say it was um it was the making of me and i think that we made it stand for something we really really did um it it wasn't you know i think it would be so much worse if it hadn't um but uh whether I don't know whether it's, you know, the way the universe is designed or whether it's, you know, there's a, there's a master plan or whether I'm just stubborn. <laughs> but, you know, when, when stuff like that comes my way, I, you know, you, you try to make some meaning out of it. And, yeah. um, and I think I did. I think I did. So um, it's, it's, it's really, really important Um to have gone through it for me. I know, like I said, it was the making of me, but also being able to have um, a level of understanding and empathy for something that's still a bit of a taboo to talk about. Um, and that level of grief is, um, it, it's its really, really hard for parents who, who, who go through it because there is such an expectation that you can you can get over it just because you can get pregnant again, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm happy to say that I've helped out. Yeah. And, and certainly you have, I mean, because you're right. It is, it is very taboo still. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think in, and I won't go into specifics to, you know, respect their privacy, but I've got multiple people in my family who've, you know, miscarried. And hmm. I, you know, I remember whenever my wife was pregnant, we, you know, we, you're, we're afraid of everything during that time because you know everything that you know possibly could go wrong we're convinced is gonna go wrong yeah yeah. you know all the testing that they do just the anything because it's just it's so anxiety inducing yeah but but really we found out how common it was and we're just to this day we're grateful but we we found out how common it was but it's that thing people don't talk about it Mm. you know the the women in my life you know who i am close with who've gone through that I could count on probably one hand the time that they have all spoken about it over the years. Yeah, and it, wow. it, it sucks that, you know, it's, I don't know if it's, um, I, I don't know. And this, this is where, and, and I'll be the first to, to call it out. This is ground that I'm not real comfortable walking on just because I, I feel like, uh, I've never carried a child, so I'm not really qualified to say or to speak on that. And I don't want to come off as disrespectful yeah, um, or sticking my foot in my mouth, but it does suck that we don't, ha- you know, that we don't offer the space for people to talk about that or for women to talk about that and share. Yeah, I, I don't think you're putting your mouth in it, uh, your foot in it at all. I think, I think that's a welcome thing because the by far the thing that they that 
parents who've gone through this, by far the, the thing they have the most in common is an inability to talk. Um, yeah. And I remember, um, and, and I always get a little bit emotional when I talk about this, but I, I remember when, um, when we were going through this, my husband was stopped in the middle of the street. My husband at the time was very well known in the town where we lived. And this woman went up to him and she was an old woman. She would have been, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And she she listened to him and she said, you know, this happened to me. And they they took him away from me. And she kind of gripped my husband's shoulders and, and said, I was, my husband forbid me to speak about him ever again. Mm. But I named him Jimmy. And I need you to know that I named him Jimmy. And and that was a luxury for that that woman. It was a luxury to be able to talk to someone who understood and a luxury to actually say that name out loud. Um, So I don't think you're putting your foot in it at all if you give people the opportunity to speak about these children that they still carry in their their hearts. Yeah, because, I mean... I'm, you know, she's in her early 80s. Let's say 60 years she carried that. I mean, that yeah. that love doesn't fade. No, no, no. That's, I um, I would tell anyone I'm agnostic probably on my best day, but <laughs> having a child makes me feel like I don't, I don't know what lives on when we're gone. But I mean, that that love I have for her, there's doesn't matter what gets snuffed out of me. I know that 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 stays. There's no way that that doesn't stay. Absolutely. Um, I will I will say though you know you you said something about just giving people the opportunity to talk about it and and really that's the core of the show and that's that's yeah. what I want to do is allow people give them that space because I've talked about this before um it feels like when you lose somebody and I don't know if this if this feels familiar to you so tell me if it does or doesn't losing someone it almost feels like you have a stain on you or when you're in, when you're really in the, in the thick of it, it feels like, you know, it, other people can sense it on you, whether they know what's mm. happening or not, or what you've been through. Yeah. And there feels like an otherness almost about you where it's hard yes. to, and, and it makes everyone uncomfortable because immediately when you tell somebody, somebody passed away who I'm close to and I'm grieving them, all I've ever wanted to do was talk about that person and just, yeah, just ramble about them. But it yep. makes other people uncomfortable because it's a reminder of mortality. And so, and I understand that, but that's why I wanted this show to allow people to talk about their loved ones. And so I'd just like to ask you, tell me about your mom. I, I know we've, I know we've kind of gone in some circles and we've talked about her a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but what, it's, it's, what are the things you want to say about her that you, you know, that you, you've wanted somebody to ask you about? Yeah. My mom, it's really interesting because. Um, my husband, who is my second husband, actually never got to meet her. And mm. I say all the time, I describe things about her and I it's so frustrating because I cannot get her across to him. <laughs> I just <laughs> cannot. My mum was an extraordinary woman. She was absolutely extraordinary. And there were just so many facets to her. She She was incredibly warm and welcoming. Um, and that's what most people remember her for, but, um, she wasn't, um, she wasn't, 
you know, she did have her prejudices <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, if, if she had something against you, it's not that she was mean or anything, but because she had such a warm vibe, the absence of it was quite obvious. And for my mum to show you love, love, that was like the biggest thing, like for anyone that my mum loved, as soon as they felt loved and accepted, it was such a huge thing. So it wasn't yeah. just in the family, but in the community. And, and so she was, she was like that. And she was um, incredibly, um, uh, let's see, she was, she was also very creative and intelligent. She loved music. She, she loved literature and she, she is the one who encouraged me to be a writer. Like there was never any question, um, you know, that that I should do anything else as soon as I expressed an interest. And um, yeah. and and she she loved to have fun. Um, but she went through a lot in her life as well. Um, things that were quite difficult and things that we can't quite comprehend. Um, which made her guarded in some ways. So she's very much uh, a product of um, of her time and place, and yeah. um, and there are things about what she lived that I I have to approach with um, a great deal of empathy because um, yeah they yeah let's see. I don't know how to express this. Um, yeah, the particular things about where she was born and when she was born that that made things a little bit difficult for her personally. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, she was born in Argentina, as I was, um, at the start of last century um, at a, you know, a time when women had a particular place and they were supposed to be a particular thing. And, um, yeah, it, it, in Argentina, I, I don't know about now, but it's it's very difficult to be an individualist woman and that's what my mum was. She was an individualist in a very collectivist uh, nation and, um, yeah, so to be an individual when what's expected of you is to be a good woman, like it be a good woman it's very cut and dried <laughs> you're a <Yeah>. good mom <laughs> you're a good wife and that'll do you <laughs> um and anything else is just um out of place kind of that's not your place to be yeah and so i'll, I'll say this i i appreciate the fact that you know it, it it sounds like you you clearly you love your mom your mother and and that that hasn't changed or gone but no, absolutely but you know, I, I also I respect and appreciate the fact that you know you you know you can acknowledge it. I mean, there are things maybe that you didn't agree with, or that you mm -hmm. know. But you also you you approach it from that place of empathy because I, I mm -hmm. think that's another thing. You know, whenever we lose someone, we I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is that no one is perfect, and 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 that feels like that's even that that kind of goes out the window though whenever we lose somebody you know we only want to remember the best but you know people yeah. are people and but you know understanding that empathy of you know they they are a product of their environments everybody is the way they are for some reason there's been some yeah. imprint um and you know you, you're talking culturally um 
you know, my, my wife's family is from, is from Central America. And so, you know, she, you know, she has shared with me things before that, you know, essentially to your point, not always easy to be, <laughs> to be an individualist, a woman. I, I like the way you phrase that because from what she's told me, that's, I think that's very um, common there as well. Yes, uh, definitely. You know, the, certain expectations. And I, that's one of the things I like about society now is I think we've gotten a little better. Still a lot of work to go. <laughs> yep. I, I would agree um, with that. <laughs> You know, I, I can't speak for Australia, but I can say in the United States, a lot of work to go there. Um, and, you know, it's something that we're, you know, we, we are firm believers and it's got to start at home. So that's something that we, you know, try to reinforce with our daughter is that, you know, our expectations of her, you know, to, to do her best, try her best and be happy. Yeah. You know, outside of that, she's got to kind of set the path for herself. But those are the most important things. Yeah, um, definitely. And I, I love what you said there. I think there's something that I... I disagree with and um, and has possibly helped with my grief is it's very common when someone passes away or, or they die, however you want to express it, is that um, they're either deified or demonized. So you either make them into flawless godlike beings or yeah. they were just, they were the worst, you know, no redeeming <laughs> qualities whatsoever. And and I and I don't think either either way is is healthy, and I would rather have that remember them in their full humanity. Um, that served me a lot better, um, because you know remembering a flawless person, I'm not remembering my mum. I just wouldn't be. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and that's that's. That's true. I mean, and that's, I think that's a really healthy way to look at it too. I mean, because you almost going back to what we said at the beginning, that person, they stay with you. They don't just leave. Mm. Know, they're, they're still with you. But if you remember them as a flawless person, how much more pressure does that add as opposed yes. to remembering they were just a human being, just like me yeah. and probably trying to do their best with what they had. That's it. You know, I, I think that's a really healthy way to look at it. And if nothing else, it probably takes some pressure off of you. And maybe that does give you that space to grieve a little more. Yeah. Yeah, definitely did. For, it, it does help for me. And, um, yeah, my, my husband's parents, they're, they've also, they're also not here. And we, when we speak about them, it runs the gamut. It absolutely runs the gamut. Um, there's stuff that we go, oh man, that was bad. And there's stuff that we go, I thought we miss them. We miss them because they were great. <laughs> you know, there's always, it, it's never simple, but, um, in remembering all of this, I think it's, um, I just, it's just so much better. And I, I never got to meet his folks either. So I get a sense of their realness as well. Yeah. I want, I do wonder with that, you know, you, you know, you've probably both heard so much about each other's, you know, parents. I mean, I wonder, do you feel like, you know, his parents or does he feel like he knows your mother? Yeah. You know what? I, in a, in a little way I, I do. And there are some things that, um, that we make fun of each other about. So, uh, <laughs> his mum's name was, um, was Marg and she, she was, she was a, a pocket rocket. She was a dynamo and, he, he says that he'd be getting dressed and all of a sudden his shirt would be gone because she'd already got it to put in, you know, to wash it. And it was like, it was already clean. 
Um, so I'll say stuff. If if I'm doing something and something disappears, I'll say, did you mug me? <laughs> did you <just> mug me? <laughs> so I feel like I know them. And he, he says to me, he expresses stuff about his dad and he, you know, he says he's a lot like his dad. Um, so I feel like I... I kind of know what his dad would have been like and I and I think I'm a lot like my mum. So I think yeah. that he feels that he knows a little bit about my mum just by virtue of knowing me. <laughs> it, it is cool the you know the the traits and habits you pick up and you know the, from from somebody. You you mentioned earlier that your uh, your daughter you can see your your mother and her sometimes. Yeah. yeah did, now did she ever meet did did yeah. she ever meet her? Yes, definitely. And they were very very close. Uh, my mum was there when when she was born, and my mother adored her, just absolutely adored her. And you know, she'd say, you know, I don't have favourites, but there's something about Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, uh, I definitely see that she um, just this ability that my daughter has to um, to just. Well, first and foremost, the her very particular way of looking at the world, even though she's, you know, she's one of a kind, the way she looks at the world often reminds me of my mum and her sense of justice and yeah. her practicality um, and, and the in, amazing creativity. Like she... My mum was so creative. There was nothing that she couldn't do. Like if she decided to put her her hands and her brain to something she would excel and that's my daughter whereas I've got a couple of things I'm creative at like I've got uh, you know I've got my licks this is the the couple of things I can do (laughs) but my daughter is like I'm gonna try this out and then it's like boom she's she's amazing I, that's a that is a character trait i i admire that not not everybody has it feels like only a small group of people have but you have people that just an innate confidence of i could probably do that mm. and just go try to do it and yeah. i i have nothing but respect for that i wish i had more of that in me i'm much more of the um i don't know if i can do this i, I spend more time trying to talk myself out of how i can't do it <laughs> as opposed to trying to talk to myself that i could do this yeah 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 I love that confidence. It's awesome. It's awesome. uh, And it's one of those things that will, I'm sure in so many ways has and will serve her well. Yeah. Yeah. It has done. It has done. And uh, fundamentally it makes her happy. I, I, I can't imagine a world in which she wouldn't be creating something. Um, Yeah. She's always needs that outlet. That's the thing. And as a parent, I mean, you know, the older my daughter gets, the the more I think about this, that really at the end of the day, that's I, more than anything, I want her to be happy. I want her to be successful. Mm-hmm. I want her to to do great things, but that doesn't mean she has to go down any one certain path. I don't ever want to push her yeah. that you need to be a doctor or a lawyer. I just want her to be happy. Yeah. You know, if, if she can say at the end, if she can say at the end of the day that, you know, I'm happy, I had a good day. I mean, that, I don't know, that that's, that means more to me knowing that I've, I've left, I will have left her here in a space where she can be happy and be joyful and share that with other people. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. 
um you know so th- this this podcast you know i do like to talk about food a lot um yes you know Let's talk and, food. And talk, yes uh, you know when we were communicating beforehand you you shared some foods that your mother loved and that she made and tell me about some of those what were some of your your mother's uh recipes that you love the most oh well it's um she was a brilliant cook she was a brilliant innovative uh cook and everything not only tasted good but it looked good and um and she didn't believe in fried foods <laughs> so uh just a little sidebar here um just a little sidebar because uh we never got french fries what we call chips here oh, we never got no. them growing up and uh unless we went out somewhere you know and uh when, when we came to australia because we're so influenced by by the English and British culture, my brother comes yeah. home one day and says to my sister and me, he says, do you know there are shops in Australia that only sell fish and chips? Okay, no, <laughs> you're joking. He said, yes, you can. You can just go in and pay, it was 20 cents at the time, and get this huge packet of fries and we're like no you, you're putting us on I'll show you <laughs> so we discovered this what is this nirvana this place where you just walk in and order fries and don't have to worry about your mother uh not making <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing this was one that we didn't share with her to say hey we found this a uh, great shop this was probably a secret kept to the to the siblings it was right? secret for a while. of course yeah uh, <laughs> We get twenty cents worth of chips uh, just before hopping onto the train to get home, and then uh, yeah, have dinner. And she never knew, but um, <laughs> so, and everything had to be like a little bit. She always used to add a special touch to something. So, for example, <clears throat> um, one of the typical dishes in Argentina is just um, a standard. It's not standard. Let me explain it to you. Is the shepherd's pie, okay? okay? Except that in Argentina, the filling is the same as an empanada filling. So it's oh. got beef, it's got raisins, it's got spice, it's got eggs. So it's like if you imagine a beef empanada, that's the filling for the for the shepherd's pie. And for the topping, she wouldn't just mesh, make mashed potatoes. She'd make duchesse potato, which is a very rich mash with with egg yolks and nutmeg and butter. And then she would mm. pipe this. Or if she didn't pipe it, she would spread it over the top and then decorate it with a fork and then it always looked amazing. So everything that she did always had to have that little extra something. So um, if she made deviled eggs, for example, she would mince um, an anchovy so fine that you couldn't taste that it was there. No, you couldn't taste the anchovy, but of course you could taste what we call these days umami. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, that word didn't exist uh, back then for us. And um, and people used to say, what do you put in your deviled eggs? So um, everything she did, she did just had to have that little touch of something and I remember um one time she and this is why she and my daughter got along so well my daughter would have been like three years old 
um, my mum made her some oatmeal for breakfast and um, my daughter tastes it and says, did you put lemon zest in this? <laughs> and my mum says, yes, I did. She goes, hmm, it's very good. <laughs> so, so even when making something as plain as oatmeal, my mum zested a lemon and put it in along with the sugar and the milk. So, um, yeah, so everything she made was delicious. But um, I think my favourite thing that she did um, there was handmade pasta, handmade fresh pasta. That okay. was my favorite. I've got to. I, was, I want to hear about this, but I've got to say too. Just what, you mentioned earlier that she was very creative and that she, yes. you know, was in everything she did, and I can see that in the food you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Because I joke around with my wife all the time. You know, whenever we're we're, we're making dinner, that you know we, we we've got to plate it properly because you eat with your eyes first. Yes, that's right. Uh, to the point that, you know, just, I love a bit. So anytime I can do a bit that makes me laugh and maybe makes her laugh, I'm going to do that. Oh, so you and my husband would get along great. He's got a bit. <laughs> well, you know, and there, you have to entertain yourself, you know, you, yes, you do. I, I, I firmly believe if you're not, yeah, uh, you know, as, as a husband, I will say that that's, and I try not to be annoying about it, but the, you know, she, there've been times she's asked me to make her a sandwich and sure I'll make you a sandwich and I, I'm going to cut it in half and I'm going to, I'm going to pr- try to like lay it out on the plate nice and elegantly and put some chips on the plate, you know, in, in the middle yep. of the slices. And I've taken even like scored a little bit of mustard on the plate and then just kind of take oh. the spoon and I like, do the spoon oh, like they do on goodness. Food Network. Oh, it's ridiculous. And Beautifully it, extra. <laughs> I, I, I laugh, she rolls her eyes. But it feels like you're, it sounds like your mom did this, but you know, instead of trying to be joking about it, she did it and really like really put in that effort to make it visually appealing. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. And you know how we were talking earlier about, um, you know, having my mom on my shoulder going, Hmm, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I feel her doing this every time I put rice on the plate to accompany something like white rice so whenever we had rice as an accompaniment, this is what she used to do. She used to make the rice um, and she'd normally, you know, rice for an accompaniment for my mum usually had butter and parmesan in it. So if it was to accompany a stew, oh, yeah. what she would do, she had a small glass and she would butter the inside of it and then sprinkle the inside with chopped parsley, put the rice in and then unmold that onto the plate so that your your stew came with this little perfect tower of parsleyed rice. (laughs) And whenever I just have plain rice on the plate, it's like (laughs) she's on my shoulder (laughs) going, you know, you could do better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I, I do firmly believe that sometimes, you know, just good food on a plate is fine. But, you know, there there right. is something fun, though, about that extra little bit of presentation. And, you know, it, it just it makes it fun. And it does. I, I love that she did that. It sounds like she did that for, for your benefit, but it also sounds like she just enjoyed it and that she just yeah. she got a kick out of it. I love that. I think so. I think so. And um, Alice Walker, the writer, talks a lot about this. She and she wrote about it. She talked. She talked about um, well, specifically about um, 
you know, African-American women, but it applies to so many women around the world, is that when the avenues of creativity are close to you, what's left, what, what's allowable for you to do? How do you express your creativity? And my mum yeah. had her ways of expressing, and that was one of them. That was one of them. So she, you know, her other way was, you know, she was a, 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 um, a couturist, a designer. Um, but, you know, once that part of her career was over and she was racing us, food was her way of expressing creativity. There's something so, this is what's so beautiful to me about humanity. There, there's so much to be disgusted by and so much to be annoyed by the resiliency though of just people and yeah. I, I don't know that i'm smart enough to try to 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 get across the point i want to make but the 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 fact that people can okay i've just been tasked with i need to make dinner this is mm. this is the role society has given me but that's not enough i'm going to do more the fact that you know in in anything and everything you know you mm. you know you think about you know, school kids that have to wear a uniform and, you know, the ones that find a way, I'm going to still find a way to have my own personal style and to to express myself. It is, it is so important for people to have expression and it sucks that we beat that out of people. Yeah. We, we don't allow people to to express themselves. You know, we, and it starts early with don't do that. That's weird. Or that's going to, other people don't like that. We don't just let people be themselves and that Mm. sucks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I, I love the fact though that she, she didn't accept that. She, she found a way to get that across and get that out of herself. Yeah, and yeah, share she that. She definitely did. Now, tell me about this pasta that she made because I, I, I do love pasta, and you said homemade, and that sounds amazing. yeah. Well, look, um, Buenos Aires, where we're from, um, is, is so Italian, and if we go to Buenos Aires. Um, like your wife being a Central American, if she listened to the way that uh, Spanish is spoken there, she'd see that it's done with an Italian accent, Italian inflection. Like you yeah. go to Buenos Aires and people, that's the rhythm. It's very Italian. So yeah. the, um, so it's a very Italian kind of a um, a place and not only but it's incredibly um influential and we do have some italian in the family as well we've got um on one side of her family from my from her mum's side we have got one stream that goes all the way to uh, genova in italy so the ability to make pasta and make it by hand is really well respected and the ability to have the touch knowing so not starting with a with a recipe starting with a yeah. ring of flour and the eggs or egg yolks in the middle and beginning to work them in and knowing when the dough's had enough the pasta hand so you know i i'm i'm like this now and my kids find it incredibly frustrating but my mom was like this like when i was learning how to make gnocchi she's going I'm going, how much flour? And she's going, as much as the potatoes need. <laughs> how much do I know what the potatoes need? And she's going, you'll know. <laughs> no, I won't know. <laughs> I won't know. 
but with enough practice, of course, you do know what the, what the potatoes need. I, I can't help laugh. My mother-in-law was trying to tell my wife how to make this, uh, this, um, this uh, sopa de pollo that she makes. And it's, it is, oh, yes. is incredible. It is, it's, it's so good. And she, she tried to explain her to her how to make it. And it's okay. You put potato in this much potato or this much salt, this much, uh, cilantro, no actual description of how much exactly. Yes. And, but I've heard this so many times. My grandmother one time tried to tell me how to make fried cornbread and it was similar. Add some cornmeal to some to some buttermilk. How much? Oh, you just know. Somebody that I work with, she was explaining. She tried watching her aunt uh, make uh, meatballs. She, they're Italian, so she tried to learn from her how to make meatballs. She had to write down, pour the salt for four seconds. She was having to. She was watching her and just trying as best she could to to just base it off of that. I I, yeah. I love that though that it's that is so universal. Yeah, when you're is. trying to learn to make something that just these are the basic ingredients. You'll figure it out. Yep, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so on a, so she, I think her favourite was ravioli. Um, she would, and she had different fillings for it. So she would do um, the classic spinach and ricotta, but I think her favourite was probably fresh, fresh ricotta, minced parsley, a little bit of garlic, some nutmeg and walnuts. And mm. my mum was fussy with her walnuts. She she would peel them individually, like peel the walnuts so they didn't have any skin. And that's a hell of a job. Um, <laughs> so that was her favourite filling for ravioli. So she would – and we didn't have a pasta machine or anything. And I don't know if you've ever made uh, pasta by hand, but, you know, you use that durum wheat – flour and it's tough man it's so tough <laughs> there she is with a rolling pin and um so she would do that um her sister once gave her this recipe for agnolotti which was similar and you make those one at a time very exactingly um and every now and then like for something quick she'd just make i say it quick but um tagliatelle so what she'd do on a Sunday, she would um, she'd clean the house and kind of banish us all out of the house. And my sister and my brother could take care of themselves, but my dad would take me to the park. And when we all came back in the early afternoon, the house would smell like lemon furniture polish and this pasta sauce that had been cooking for hours and she'd oh. make tagliatelle, so she'd just make it by rolling out the sheet of pasta, then rolling it up like a Swiss roll, and then just cutting it across. And that would be our Sunday thing. And it's um and and that's one of the things that I don't think I can capture ever again because now I'm the grown up. You know, it's that feeling yeah. of coming home and the house smells amazing because someone's been cooking just for you you know um it can happen sometimes with a spouse but because you it's not the same because you're you're um you're equals in this relationship and you know you're yeah there's a it's a different thing i don't know i don't know but um there's something about being nurtured though yeah it's that whole nurturing thing 
and yeah, I I don't know. And the, and and I'm a firm believer too that um, and it doesn't just have to be a, a mother because I, I don't think cooking is solely a mother's job. I really don't. No, definitely. But there's something about that food that's made. That food that you love is made by that person you love. Yeah. That you know, it, I think it's it's. it's I think it's almost corny to say that there's love in it and that's the secret ingredient, but it's there's love is the secret ingredient and you cannot tell me otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. There's I, something I that, agree. Yeah. It's, um, it's like a thousand times more powerful than MSG, but there's just, there's something about <laughs> it that just makes it taste so much better. Yeah, I, I agree. It is absolutely corny, but I always, I, I think it's great. I, I read, um, uh, years ago in this cookbook I have um, something um, the writer said that anyone would rather have um, beans on toast, so, you know, tinned beans on toast, from a happy cook rather than a gourmet meal from a from a resentful or grumpy one. And, yeah. um, and I realised that that was, um, that's what I had all my life and um and something I've strived to do with my kids I don't know that I've ever been that I've been 100% successful but um I I I don't want to be a martyr to the kitchen I, I love to cook I'm, I'm also a great cook but um if you know if if the feeling is not there I just say let let's order in or um yeah. you know let's have I don't know <laughs> let's have uh eggs on toast or whatever because i don't want to get to that point where it's just so stressful that it's just not uh, you know that it's stopping that that lovely interchange um yeah. between your feelings your good feelings and the food well and the food's great but you know it really comes down to the, the company too and, yeah absolutely you know, my we we went to dinner tonight at a I don't know that you yeah you know again this is one of those this is ignorance on my part there's a restaurant Chili's I don't know I I, I don't know that there there are Chili's in Australia I don't know that you've no, you know I been to the United so. States and been there it is it is a fast casual Tex Mex restaurant it's nothing special yep. it's I, but it's it's fine nothing special um but just being there with my wife and my child tonight it was it was amazing it just I, we walked out of there just, you know, my wife and I were just gushing about just how nice of a night it was just because the three of us got to be together. Yeah. And that's what matters. You know, I, I'll backtrack just a little bit though, to something else you said, you, you talked about, oh. um, you know, you don't, you don't know if it's the same as, as hers, I guess. I think there is, there can be an, a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves that it has to be as good as what I remembered, but you think about it. She may have had that same pressure of, trying to make it as good as what she remembered from whenever she was a that's kid. That's right. That but it's is a whole different thing. Absolutely right. That's and, uh, absolutely. And she used to say, I can never get <laughs> the stew just like my mum's. She used to say, I can't ever get it right. She <laughs> used to say that. And, um, and another thing that she could never get right, uh, according to her, like we loved everything. <laughs> But she had this thing, and it's funny because my kids say that I'm always apologising uh, for my food. Uh, they are all liars, of course. <laughs> 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 but, 
But, um, yeah, so my mum will say, oh, damn, yes, it's very nice, but still not as good as my mum's. And I think, you know, uh, it's funny because I don't know whether it's pressure or whether it's just the desire to to taste that again. It's actually really, really interesting. One of the things that um, uh, my mum couldn't get the same as my grandmother's, like her mum's, there's... um, there's these little fried pastries that are very, very uh, traditional in Argentina. They're called um, pastelitos de dulce, which means um, jam pastries. And they are, they're done with a um, flaky pastry and they've got, they've got uh, usually quince paste in the middle and then they're deep fried until they open up like a flour and then they're bathed in syrup. So it's like a cross oh. between pastry and baklava I don't know they're they're delicious but my my grandmother had a filling that I that is nowhere else in the country she used to make this filling with um with dried apricots um that she used to cook and they were quite delicious and I thought that maybe it was a regional thing no one was able to teach us how to make them we could never get them right and anyway, I did some research one time and I just went, what if the filling isn't um, traditional from the Argentine culture at all? And I think I told you that um, my mum was um, raised in a, in a Jewish neighbourhood. Uh, I just went, what if this is like a Jewish thing? And I looked it up, and lo and behold, there's this these apricot pastries, these Jewish apricot pastries. Um, and when I made it, it was exactly like hers. So my grandmother took that filling and adapted it to the traditional pastry. And, um, yeah, which I found extraordinary. Um you know, in our lives, we've always been thinking that this was our family thing, and it was, but it was my grandmother combining, you know, what she learned probably from some neighbour with, with with what she already knew. I, I've always been a fan of this, like, this idea of fusion of cultures yes. and recipes, you know, and taking bits and pieces. I, I love the way, because there's so many great things that come out of that, and I... And, Again, probably corny, probably cheesy, but I don't care. I, I think it's I think it speaks to something bigger because I, I really do put a, a, a lot of value on food mm. and not even like high in food. I just mean just food in general, that food can be so much more than just fuel. Yeah. It's a great way to learn another culture or to experience another culture. Yeah, for and sure. And so this idea, you know, mashing up foods, it's it's like mashing up different cultures and different peoples. You know, great things can come out of that. Yeah. Yep. And that that's proof positive right there. Yeah, it is. And, it you know, we call it fusion now, but people have been doing this for millennia, right? You know, um, as long as people have been moving around um, and the first thing you do when you when you go to a new place is you go, okay, how can I recreate the the tastes of home? And then someone goes, oh, that smells good. That looks good. Teach me how to do that. And, you know, and new cuisines are born. 
Yeah. I mean, brand new dishes and like you said, brand new cuisines just from, I miss, I miss a certain flavor from home. What's the closest I can get here, you know, and what can we do with it? I I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Me too. I, I I think it's, it's, it's brilliant. And, um, uh, and just the, the play between all of these things is, it's just fascinating to me. Yeah. And I love that you've got a, you've got Jewish inspired, Argentinian, you know, pastries, and there's some Italian in there as well. I love yeah. that. Yeah. We've, we've got all kinds of things um, in my family. And my my grandfather was um, on my dad's side. He was Lebanese. So there's that whole Middle Eastern thing there. Oh, and yeah. um, so my mum learned to cook my dad's and my grandfather's favourite dishes as well um, so that, you know, that she could make my dad feel good. So, um, yeah, so, again, uh, my mum just just went, yeah, of course, I'll, I'll make that. I'll learn how to make that. Not a problem. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, for you getting to grow up in that and getting to, you know, just and just in your home, I guess, getting to experience all these different types of food, that's got to be, that had to be great. Yeah, so great. So great because, you know, now I realize, you know, um, just how varied and wonderful our cuisine was. You know, my my friends in my neighborhood, they were getting the same meals over and over again. Like I wanted the hot dogs and <laughs> chips, but you know, they, they were probably getting that every Tuesday on the dot, you know, Monday was this, <laughs> Tuesday was that, Wednesday was that. Whereas my mum's going, Oh, what am I going to create today? Yeah. Um, and it's the kind of thing that you don't fully appreciate when you're a kid, you just want what everyone else is having. But yeah. later on you realize just how, bloody marvelous it was <laughs> yeah it's um i can you know I, I i've heard that before my my brother-in-law growing up you know he apparently he wanted he wanted fast food he didn't want the yeah. stuff that my mother-in-law would make and cheese and she's an incredible cook so there's all this great food that he uh he didn't eat when he was younger that he's he's told me he kicks himself now that he didn't appreciate when he was younger thankfully you know he's in his 20s now he's he's got more of an appreciation of it but yeah. still so many great meals he missed out on yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you miss out. You do miss out. Um, and the thing is that I guess, you know, stuff like the fast food and that's always going to be there. Uh, yeah. But someone cooking for you, that's not always going to be there. Um, There's a time limit on it. You know, so like the burger can wait. You can get a burger anytime, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Get the homemade um, pasta instead. Yeah. Yeah, like this this thing that this person is making for you right now, that's, you know, that's finite. Uh, it's not yeah. forever. And 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 that's I think that's a great way to look at it. It's it's not forever. We we've got to appreciate those things while we have them. Yeah. And again, it's it's not a matter of how fancy it is. It's just, I, I really think it's that it's the love that's put into it. That's the secret ingredient. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, yeah, the love because the love translates into care uh, as well. Yeah. You know, it's um, even something that's that's quick can just just have that. Yeah, the the care that goes into yeah. into it. Well, I wanted to ask you: Was there anything else you wanted to tell me about your mother? Just about her? About the yeah, food she made? Um, yeah. Look, I, I think yeah, I wanted to. One of the things that I I think I mentioned 
um, when we were um, emailing and I did say, um, you know, about honouring um, your parent, uh, on order, sorry, honouring the loved one who's gone. Um, my sister and I, after a, a, a couple of years of really having a hard time after the loss and feeling that loss, we yeah. decided that we were going to celebrate her birthday every year. And so my sister and my niece, so it's her daughter and my daughter and I, we always do something um, to remember her and it includes something that she'd love to do. So we might go see a musical, we might go and um, we've got um, we've got a, a, an amazing um, area here called St Kilda. We might go to St Kilda, which is also a bit of a Jewish enclave and we go to Europa Cake Shop and, and order some pastries and and we just have a great time and we just laugh and laugh and uh, yeah. and it's it's really interesting because when my mum and her sisters got together and my my mum and my dears they it, you could hear the laughter from blocks away it was just <laughs> they laughed so hard and when we get together on those days eating and talking we are we invariably end up laughing so hard and everyone in the cafe or whatever <laughs> just looking at us. And there's one cafe owner in St Kilda who goes, I never see anyone have as great a time as when you girls come in. And uh, and that's really gratifying because we're carrying that on as well. Um, but um, so we... We do that, and for Mother's Day, um, you know, I um, it it this was our, our dirty secret. My sister and I was that it was a few years before she and I could actually enjoy Mother's Day for ourselves and not feel yeah. that we're missing out. Um, but I, you know, I, I celebrate it and I make her favorite dessert. That's my way of remembering her, which was flan. I make flan and I make a damn good flan. And um, and in Argentina, flan a la mode is, what's it called? Uh, flan mixto. Is it flan mixto? I think that's what it's called, but it's our version of a la mode. It's served with uh, whipped cream and chantilly cream and dulce de leche. So, oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's altogether too sweet, but you know, it's once a year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes you need something that's just way too much sugar. That 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 Absolutely. is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, so that's my thing. So I, I, uh, yeah. So that's my thing. On on Friday or Saturday, I'll go. Okay, it's time to make Mars flan, and and whoever flan and whoever's there gets to enjoy it with me, and we think of her and thank you for the love of flan. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know and that's one of those things i mean i think anybody with uh if they're smart i think they need they make sure that they're nearby around that time just to make sure that they get some of that because that sounds incredible yeah, that sounds absolutely incredible it's amazing and her favorite thing which i made for her only once she used to rhapsodize about this basque version i'm pretty sure it's basque version of flan which is made with uh fresh orange juice instead of milk 
Um, and it is incredible. It is, I don't know why I only ever made it the once. Um, but yeah, same. So straightforward flan, except that you just replace the milk and the cream if you use it with fresh orange juice. And it's stunning. That sounds wonderful because I'm I'm a big fan of citrus in things yes. now. That, that's that's in the last ten years. That's really become more prominent for me. I I love citrus in there. That sounds like that'd be instead of just really rich and too heavy. That sounds like that'd be very refreshing. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. It is, and the and the combination of um, citrus with caramel is is stunning. I remember when I made it. I did accompany it with um, with oranges. So this is something I used to do a lot. Um, I used to um, perfectly peeled oranges, um, you know, and you get a knife and you cut between the segments and yeah. then make a caramel and pour it over that um, and just let that sit for at least an hour. Um, the orange combines with the caramel and you end up with, yeah, I look. If you've never had oranges and caramel, it's um, it's just a, a brilliant combination that more people should know about. But I served that flan with those oranges, and incredible. That sounds great. Yeah, I I love a uh, orange and dark chocolate is really good. Yes. So I can imagine that the orange and the caramel is wonderful. Yeah, it's and it's a similar thing because the dark chocolate's got that that bitterness, right? Yeah, um, I, I love that bitter flavor, and yeah, like with the citrus, too. it just it it balances so well. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. It's that balancing out of the citrus with the bitter. Yeah, it's, it's good. Okay, so I, I'm, I've got a mission for myself coming up soon, which is the is orange and caramel, and if I can, I've never made flan. I don't know how to make flan, but I, I will oh, find a easy. recipe. It's easy. I'll send you mine. Um, People do tend to overcomplicate flan, but it's quite simple. And I'm sure your mother-in-law could probably teach you how to make flan. I honestly, I think she could make anything that she, the things that she's made before, just we put, we come over and it's like, oh, I made a, like, oh, we went to Miami and we, you know, we had all the Cuban pastries. And so I decided I wanted some pastelitos. So here you go. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with it, you know, or I decided to. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's the thing. She she knows she loves me because she knows I will eat anything that she makes. That's so, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I and I, I love it too. So anything that she wants to experiment with, she knows I will gladly help her out. Awesome. As it should yeah. be. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for um for joining me to uh, this evening, this afternoon. Um before Great, we go to the a couple Well, a couple of things. So the the last question I had for you before we I have you talk about your show is if you had a chance to have one more meal with your mother, what would that be? That's a good question. I think it would possibly involve um, pasta. Um, and I would make her the cake that her mother used to make for birthdays, um, which it was a walnut cake. It has more walnuts in it than flour. And what you do is you make it a minimum of a day before you you uh, eat it because you have to split it in half and slather the inside of it with dulce de leche. 
and then you let that sit overnight and what happens is that it just permeates through the cake and um she only ever had that a couple of times after um she was a grown-up and she always talked about how she'd miss it so I would I would make that for her because I'd know that she it would just transport her back yeah to to times with her mum that's lovely that is lovely I appreciate you sharing everything you have with us today um I really do I it is it is an honor for me to get to do this show just because I love having people on who can come on and have, you know, engaging conversations, but also just open up and just and be honest and talk about somebody in such a warm light. So I, I just want to say thank you so much for that. Um, thank you. I also, great. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, I do also, though, I want to give you time to, to promote your show because I know you have a podcast as well. So yes. would you mind telling us more about that? Yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, and look, you and me, we're all about the stories, right? And yeah. and that's what I have. So Pillow Talking is uh, a podcast where um, I basically narrate the stories that people send me. And they are um, stories about conversations that they've had, intimate conversations that they've had, um, in the bedroom and and why the bedroom? Uh, I, I guess at the end of the day, it's um, it's it's a private place. It's an intimate place. It's it's the place where we are ourselves um, because there's no one else watching or listening. And yeah. you know, you, you tend to have um, different kind of conversation there than you do elsewhere. And um, and lately. Uh, over the past year or so, people have sent me um, conversations, stories about conversations that include not necessarily significant others, but you know, a sibling or a, or a best friend, and and those furtive conversations that you have during a sleepover or whatever, and yeah. um, which has been really amazing. So it's um so it's all about that and it's a very simple podcast it's just me and my voice and these amazing stories and um and I'm always looking for stories um that's you know the listenership is uh is small but devoted um and I'm happy to to let that grow as it will like you are you know just yeah. organically um I, I I'm happy with that and I'm patient, but, um, yeah, just having people share their stories is the most important thing to me. Um, I love it. It's just like, like you, it's a privilege to get them. It's a privilege when someone shares that part of themselves. So yeah, you can, you can, um, you can find me, you can find my, my website, it's pillowtalkingproject.com. You can listen there, but you can also submit a story there. And, um, yeah, if any of your listeners would love to would like to uh, send me something, I'd, I'd love to read it. I read each one. I respond to each one. And, um, yeah, I'd love that. So thank you for letting me talk. It's, um, it's a simple co- podcast, but I hope it's profound. I hope that um, people get a lot out of it. I, I love that. I love that concept. And I really do think that everybody has a story, whether they know it or not, whether they believe yes. it or not. 
people are more profound, I think, than they give themselves credit for. I think so. I think so. And um, and I, th- I think people underestimate the power of their stories um, and they think that something cataclysmic has to happen in their stories for it to be worthwhile, but that's not the case. Um, you know, fundamentally we tell stories because it's all about the connection and, uh, you know, that's why we tell stories, that's why we listen to stories or read them and, um, yeah, they connect us. So um, they don't need to be earth-shattering, they just need to provide a bit of a glimpse into who you are and what makes you human. <laughs> I couldn't say it better myself. Violetta, thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate it, and I, I appreciate you coming on. My absolute pleasure, and best of luck with it. Thank you so much. Thank you to Violetta for joining me today. I told you up top, I'll say it again, she was really such a delight, and I am really excited to try the flan recipe that she sent me. Um, I think the coolest thing as I looked at it was that it's really versatile and you can do a lot of different things with it. So I'm excited to try that. Now you can find her on Instagram at pillow underscore talking underscore pod or Facebook at the pillow talking podcast. And I'm going to link both in the show notes. While you look at the show notes, you can also look at uh, all the social media profiles for Our Last Mill, and it's really just Our Last Mill Pod on whatever social media you want to use. Instagram, I don't really use Twitter much. Uh, TikTok, YouTube, I'm trying to get more content on both of those. You also can just go to ourlastmill.com, and if you're ever interested in being a guest on the podcast, I would love to talk with you. You can just reach out by clicking the share your story button at the top of the page. Um, I said again at the at the top of the episode, if you enjoy this, please, uh, please like it, um, rate it, review it, share with people. Uh, you know, I, I, I hate doing the typical podcast thing of, of begging for all that. But, uh, you know, just anything to try to get the word out there to get other people to listen. Um, I, I really think what I do over here. Uh, has potential to be helpful and that's my goal and i hope if you're listening it is helpful to you i hope if you enjoy it uh, you will consider doing those if you don't enjoy it still reach out to me let me know what i could do better i'm always open to feedback with that said in two weeks i'll have an episode with drew and had a really fun conversation with him really really just meaningful is i guess the best way i can describe that so that'll be dropping in a couple weeks And in the meantime, I hope you will take the time to have a meal with somebody you care about. Just focus on being there with them and being present. Take care and until next time.